0: Sophia Ruan-Goucher, author of the book A to Z of Detoxing, The Ultimate Guide to Reducing Our Toxic Exposures, and now host of the Practical Non-Toxic Living Podcast, where I sit down with everyone from beekeepers to teachers, chefs to doctors, and all of the mothers, fathers, and children in between. Collectively, we'll learn tips and tricks for practical non-toxic living. I look forward to sharing my humbling and never-ending journey with all of you. Daniel Dubon is an internationally recognized expert in EMF radiation EMF shielding, and EMF-related health issues with special focus on the effect of exposure from mobile devices such as laptops, tablets, and cell phones. Daniel's concern regarding the health impact of EMF emissions grew from over 30 years of engineering experience in the telecom industry, where he held a variety of executive positions at companies such as AT&T and Bell Labs. He is the co-author of Radiation Nation, the fallout of modern technology. For podcast show notes, visit www.nontoxicliving.tips, where you can also learn more about my EMF Detox. It's the ultimate 21-day digital detox, which will help you reduce your EMF exposures without asking you to go offline completely. Learn more at www.nontoxicliving.tips. I'm so excited to talk to you.
1: Oh, thank you. Going
0: through your book.
1: Oh, yeah. Taking notes.
0: And I... um, Can I quiz you
1: on it? (laughs) You can.
0: You can. And I've been listening to podcasts that you've been on. And I love your story. You know, you worked in telecom for over 30 years. Yeah. An engineer. And you have a lot of technical expertise with how the technology works. And you were... Didn't all knew... Technologies have to be tested in your labs. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. you, it was concern for your son. So I was listening to some of your podcasts and and heard you say that your your sons, you have two sons, they started using laptops, putting them on their laps like everyone does, and right. your wife had the common <laughs> sense, right.
1: Women. Who, who knew? <laughs> so
0: I heard your wife said, don't put the laptop on your lap. It That yeah. can't be good for you. She yeah. just had the intuitive sense. That's right. probably a bad thing. And I heard that and I thought, didn't you and the other men in your labs ever wonder
1: about that? No, absolutely not. What was really, really interesting was that I used to think of it as a stepchild when I used to do the testing on all the technology stuff. I never worried about this stuff. And when, when we did the testing, we wanted to know how it interfered with other technologies. Not other humans, other technologies. And so when my wife says, that can't be good for you, I said, ah, that can't be. That You know, you don't know what you're talking about. But I said, well, let me just take a quick look in some research science stuff that's going on. And I was shocked. There was actually a lot of evidence that said there could be damage uh, from exposures that are excess. And I said, well, let's go find something. And I couldn't find anything. So I said, well, I can build one. Uh, so I designed uh, a shielding technology that allowed us to prevent the signals from going through to my sons. And uh, that's how I started. I built a couple of prototypes for my, my sons, their friends wanted some. And then uh, over time, their friends wanted some. So I, all of a sudden I was in the business of doing shielding for the very business I used to be in creating the, the technology. So yeah. it was really an interesting situation. By the way, I still don't have any grandchildren. <laughs> 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 Just in case you're wondering.
0: <laughs> so, I've been looking to EMFs for a while. I have three children who are relatively young. And so, yeah. my concern is for my children because yeah. the children have a unique vulnerability. And so, oh, yeah. I've hired an EMF, a certified EMF expert, to measure my home. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's made several visits mm-hmm. because circumstances change all the time. I'm in the city. So, right. what my neighbors do. Affects right. me, but um, I have your Defender Shield. Oh
1: <laughs> wow, wow! You have wall art,
0: Because this guy mentioned Matt Walensky of Healthy Dwellings. He mentioned in one of his visits that with his tools, he measures a lot of different things, and the Defender Shield worked.
1: Yeah, it, it yeah. seemed to work. Well, well, it turns out after about three or four hours, a male sperm—25% of the male sperm—is immobile from an RF signal being transmitted to the Wi-Fi. It's literally impacting temporarily. And of course, there's also an argument that says it can be much more long-term. There's been recently a study that said the male sperm is becoming less and less potent over time. Well, that's because everyone has a cell phone or or a laptop or a tablet sitting right on their laps. So there's no, is there any wonder um, why some of this stuff's happening?
0: Yeah, you know, when. I would use this Defender Shields under my laptop. And I just thought, to me, it just looks like plastic. There are clearly layers of things inside. inside, Can you just explain to me how does it work?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. What prompted me was there are several technologies that you have to use to fully shield all the stuff that comes off a, a tablet. And I remember the first cable that was produced that was a transatlantic cable. This is a long time ago. And they had a problem shielding. So there was a material that was created for shielding the very low frequency stuff to prevent the fish from eating it. So it had to be really sealed. I said, I remember that. And that's the technology that you sort of need for shielding the r- really low stuff. And then for the wi is cell phone connections, uh, Bluetooth, it's a little faster and frequency. So I had another technology that I used for doing that. So it was a combination of couple that ultimately provided the 100% shielding that I was looking for for my kids.
0: Okay. So taking a step back for listeners who maybe are new to the idea of electromagnetic fields, right? can you explain there's a spec? So electromagnetic fields is just a broad term. That applies to a broad range of waves of energy. Right. And there's energy that is naturally created from the earth. They're natural EMFs is the like nickname. And then all wired and wireless technologies create man-made radiation.
1: Right. And right. so
0: you, you write in your book that a lot of the EMF protection products most of them don't block the harmful waves 100%. They maybe Correct. block, like, one type. Can right, you explain right. that a little bit yeah, more? Yeah, I will.
1: Um, first, I'll tell you the, the Earth. The Earth actually generates an electromagnetic radiation field, part electrical, part magnetic, and it emits it into the air. It's about up to 12 hertz. What's a hertz? One hertz is one cycle per second. So it generates about 12 cycles per second. It's like you look on an ocean and you can see waves. On an ocean, that's a cycle. And so it can go up to 12. And it's direct current, not alternating current.
0: What it becomes more,
1: prob- What's more direct- problematic with alternating current, not direct current. DC versus AC.
0: What's the difference between Um,
1: Your house, uh, when you plug something in a wall, you have a 110, 120 volt, 60 cycle AC, alternating current. And your battery, when you have a battery in a device, that's DC, direct current, not AC. So there's a difference in the sources of power and thus differences in the way the emissions sort of emanate. So that's the first source. There is no such thing as any more natural electromagnetic radiation in the world. Everything else that's in the environment is stuff we've produced. So what is that? Well, as I said, you have the wires in the wall, you have the lights, you have the overhead lights, you have the heavy power lines. Those are all typically 60 cycle AC emissions. It's an electrical component and a wireless component. If you go next to a really high wire, power wire, and you take a fluorescent tube and you put it underneath it, it'll light up. There's so much power being emitted from the very high voltage wires. So even though you can't see it, it's really there. And therefore, don't move into a house that has a high power line in the back because it's a constant transmitted emissions that's not good for your health. So that's the one kind. Then there's the man-made kind that we use to communicate. When you have a cell phone, and how does that cell phone work? Well, it actually takes and transmits something in the air. That something goes to a cell tower. What would happen? What does that do? Around 2 gigahertz, that's 2 billion cycles per second, is now touching the uh, cell tower. It is a omnidirectional signal. What that means is put your finger up and, and pretend it's a tiny little ball and the ball gets bigger and, bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger it can go up to five miles. That little transmitter can go up to five miles. I'm gonna to cut to the chase on this because you mentioned your children and your concern. An adult man that uses a cell phone to their head, the signal penetrates by one inch and heats it up by two degrees. What do I mean by that? Well, 2.3 gigahertz is a microwave signal. When you put a piece of meat into a microwave and you turn it on and it heats up something in five minutes and it's really cooked, what's going on? A 2.3 gigahertz signal is heating up the water between the cells, oscillating the cells, the cells get really fast and they cook the meat. the cell phone is a microwave signal, so it can, the standard lets it hook, heat up for a six-foot male, two degrees. So if you using a cell phone, you may say after a half an hour, oh my gosh, my, my head, I can feel heat. Well, that's because it's a microwave signal that's heating up your, your head. Now I want to go to your children. You mentioned your concern with children. Very much you should be concerned about that. Why? Because that same cell phone signal that can penetrate a male goes completely through a six year old child's head. And the standards were only written to protect the thermal emission for a six foot male, not a six year old child. But we know now from research the huge problem, far beyond the thermal increase, is the biological increase. That's why you're hearing people getting various kinds of cancers related to these emissions. It's because there's a biological impact down to the cell level. So you have a cell tower that you connect to, Well, if you have a, a tablet, you have a Wi-Fi transmitter connecting to the router wirelessly. If you're in your car and you're talking to in front of your car through the Bluetooth connection, that's a Bluetooth transmitter, which is also Wi-Fi. So you have actually three transmitters out of your cell phone before you even start looking at any other technology like tablets and laptops and everything else. So all of the technologies that we hold near and dear to us that are often very important parts of our lives, we're never sort of planned to be so close and used so much and by those so young. So all of a sudden we get to the point where our environment has changed very fundamentally over the last 10, 15 years. Fifteen years ago, when I had a cell phone, I called somebody, I couldn't call anybody. I didn't have friends who had cell phones. Today, 98% of people have cell phones. So all of a sudden, it's permeating our lives and and sort of, we have these signals that never existed in human nature, and we're ultimately becoming an experiment to see what happens. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, with what there's Wi Fi signal, there's cellular signal, there's Bluetooth signal. Right. Are they all kind of equally as powerful?
1: No, actually, no. That's a very good question. The maximum level a cell phone connection can be is 1.6 watts per kilogram. You may want to think of it as like, I, I have to be able to go five miles. So the power has to be strong enough to go about five miles. While the router, they only have to go 500 foot. And so the power levels are the same or less. With Bluetooth, they only can go about 30 feet. So they're not 1.6 watts per kilogram. They're .3 watts per kilogram, 10 times less so even though it's less, don't be deceived. That three watts per kilogram can be also dangerous to to someone that has an exposure directly to the head for a period long periods of time. It can cause uh, mutated cells.
0: Yeah, it took me a while to realize. I thought if I turned Wi-Fi off on my desktop, my laptop, and my cell phone, that it automatically protected me. And it took me a while to realize that I, in addition, have to manually turn off Bluetooth.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like a cell phone can generate all these things. If you don't use them, turn them off. The three times exposure becomes one time exposure. That's much better. And I talk about, I'll talk about that a little bit more, but here's a little bit of insight. In your environment, to protect yourself. All you got to do is figure out where the transmitters are and just turn them off. Just by turning off your immediate environment, you're that much more protected.
0: Yes. It's made a huge difference for me to make my home low in terms of the EMFs from yeah. everything we talked about, but also televisions and oh, yeah. speakers. I mean, it's really an endless list.
1: Oh, yeah. I'll tell you, you know, you, you get these... Apple TVs, these
0: Wi-Fi boosters.
1: Right. And they say, just plug it in and everything works. Well, they're transmitting a Wi-Fi signal. Why not just get an Ethernet wire and plug it in and eliminate that as a transmitter? In fact, I have a general rule of thumb to help people sort of think about what you just mentioned. I talk about it as bees in the room. One bee can do very little to a human unless you're a allergic to it. A thousand bees can kill you. So that analogy you should be thinking about in terms of transmitters in a room. What transmitters can I turn off? When I turn them off, I'm more likely to be less potentially damaged by those transmitters. Very simple rule, easy to do. And as you pointed out, if you're not using Bluetooth, why do you have it on? And uh, uh, let me tell you, I used to never... I would not talk about dangers of Bluetooth because I couldn't find any research to substantiate any claim one way or the other. Was it good or bad? You know, some people would think that logically it's less potentially dangerous, but that's not necessarily true. And in fact, there was, I found a research study that was done about 10 years ago. And what they did is, it was an epidemiology study. And what they looked at was, concussed subjects, in other words, the blood-brain barrier was down in the brain, and they wanted to know what power level could damage the cell within the brain. What they found, believe it or not, dot one watts per kilogram. That's three times less than a Bluetooth. So when people argue that, oh, it's much less power, you're much more safe, well, that may be true for many. But for some of us, it may not be true, particularly those who have a a concussion when when that's damaged the blood-brain barrier in the brain.
0: So it took me a while to realize that human beings also have their own electromagnetic fields. Oh, yeah. Can you talk more about how we are electrical beings too? Because that helped me make sense of why these other emissions will interfere with my biology.
1: I'll talk about two things. One is your your body's like a capacitor. A capacitor is something that takes energy in and holds it. So in our environment, there's a static power level all around us in which we can absorb. So there's a parallel. So you may have heard of grounding, for example. Uh, people get grounding pads or they go outside and put their feet into the sand. It's more grounded. Actually, what they're doing is dispelling as a capacitor the energy level that's built up.
0: So does that Uh, really work? Of course, I've read about this.
1: Yeah, yeah, it it actually does. So you can
0: help get rid, release, accumulated energy.
1: Energy looks for ground. They look for a short to ground. They want to find the fastest path. Why does lightning hit the ground? Because it would float around everywhere if it didn't. So it always looks for a path to ground. So any electrical charge in your body, in the environment, looks to ground. And so there's that level of power there. So grounding in that case works. But grounding does not protect you from ELF, RF. It doesn't because the body doesn't necessarily. When you have a cell phone to your head, you have a signal going into your head. Even if you were grounded, it's still going into your head. So it really does depend on what you're doing. The second type is about this very thing. What's the influence of an emission of an RF signal to the cells of the body? And we're learning a little bit more about that. Why do we see neurological interference? Why does your hand hurt when you pick up a cell phone? Why does your head hurt or your eye hurt when it's only close to the cell phone, but not directly? And the answer is emerging where there's there's damage to the cell. We know that. We've documented in research that cells can be damaged. I can explain the mechanics of that in a minute if you'd like to hear that. But there's also in between the cells, communication that allows the cells to interoperate. Part of that is conductivity. So like your whole body requires conductivity to work. And one way of sort of testing that is if you put your arm up and you have a friend push it down, it can be pretty resistive. If you take your cell phone and put it right next to your heart, put your arm up, your friend can push it down easily. That interferes with the signaling infrastructure of the body. A simple test, but it proves that it really does influence and impact the body.
0: Wow. And why don't you explain a bit about how it affects our cells?
1: Yeah. Actually, a lot of research recently is talking about mechanical breakdown of the cell and its influence on the immune system. It actually suppresses the immune system, which is a recent understanding we have. But it explains why people get worse over time with exposure. The immune system, you know, if your immune system down, a bug can get you better. Then, if you weren't, your immune system wasn't suppressed. But the way the cell works is the signal keeps on hitting the cell, the surface of the cell, and it weakens the membrane. Once Isn't that the
0: signal, it almost like pecking. It's it's the, almost pecking.
1: It actually. I'm going to jump around and explain that to you. When you talk about transmission, you're talking about an on-off transmission within the electromagnetic signal. It's a carrier for the signal itself. And it's a digital signal, on off, on off, on off, on off. That on off is hitting that cell. And so it starts breaking down the membrane. And then if the membrane gets diminished enough, then the calcium channel penetrates the membrane. Calcium within your body goes inside the cell. What happens when that happens, there's a buildup of chemicals. And those chemicals, are what ultimately mutates the cell or damages the DNA. And so when you hear of electromagnetic radiation, there is a well-known breakdown of the cell that can lead to DNA damage in mutated cells.
0: So our DNA probably is damaged frequently. Yes. But there's probably a tipping point. Right. right? So is that the concern? Because I know you, people first, when you first hear it damages DNA, that's very alarming. But at the same time, like our bodies are resilient, but there's a yeah, point yeah. at which, right?
1: Oh, you, you're absolutely right. If you would ask me tell you the 30 things of why this is really bad, no one can tell you that. But I'll tell you the one that may be bad. No one knows because of time. If you have a daughter that's 10, 12 years old, and she has a cell phone in her pocket all the time, always transmitting, that potentially can damage her eggs, the cell in her eggs. It can mutate a cell that is being exposed. That cell can get damaged and that can repair itself. So no problems yet. But now it's a mutated cell. So... Your daughter goes, has a child, and there's new DNA that wasn't your DNA. And so there's a little bit of concern that because these emissions do damage the cell, mutates the cell, that they can be passed on to subtending generation. There are some researchers that say this is a catastrophic problem three generations from now. I don't believe that. And the reason why is your daughter and every other daughter that's 12 years old has to be exposed and have cell phones in their pocket. That's not the case. So I don't think it's catastrophic, but I certainly believe it can happen. We know the research shows it can happen and you should be slightly diligent. Make sure that those exposures are not occurring to a young woman. Interestingly enough, I often work with uh, physicians. Uh, They call me one day and they said there was this professional young woman who came in their office, pregnant, but she was a real business lady. She always had a laptop in the lab, always using a cell phone. And she had a child that passed away almost immediately. And they, they couldn't figure out why because there was all these strange DNA that they couldn't explain. And so they concluded that it was potentially a cause was because she had all of these electronics near her. And, and so they called me up and let me know that they actually found a case that they actually think is legitimate. Now, by the way, that's not statistical. That's not something that's legitimate. It's anecdotal at best. Interesting point though, several years later, she had another child who was fine. What they did was they cleaned up her environment. They went and told her, get away from your laptops. Wire everything in the household. Eliminate the bees in the room, and for her it worked. So I think it's serious and should be seriously considered when uh, bringing a cell phone to a child.
0: So I'm wondering. It's great that if she miscarried because of high EMF exposures, her body was able to later have a healthy child. Right, exactly. So that's like a case for resiliency. And but I was wondering, even with a child who prenatally was exposed to lots of cell phone radiation and right. maybe carries damaged DNA, don't we biologically have the ability to, to get rid of damaged yeah. DNA?
1: And much of that does happen. But remember, when there's a repair, it doesn't mean it's repaired to what it was. It repairs to something. We can't predict what that is. By the way, uh, pregnant women, early stages of pregnancy they're three times more likely to have a miscarriage than the average population if they're exposed to emissions, high levels of emission. That was out of San Francisco only two years ago. So you want to watch these emissions around you because they do influence your your health. Another thing that popped to mind when you were talking, I I wanted to mention that because you have a female audience. But the other thing that is also, you've probably heard of ADHD Autism, Alzheimer's, all going up. There is an argument that upon conception, excess exposure to emissions to the womb begins influencing the growing child. So it's not just when they're out of the room we got to worry about it. You also may want to worry about it as well because uh, some are arguing, some research is arguing it, it can happen as early. Influence can happen as early as within the
0: womb. Have you heard of the work by Dr. Hugh Taylor at Yale University?
1: No, I don't think I have. What, what was his?
0: He's an OBGYN who also studies how, he did a study in mice and found that mice exposed to cell phone radiation in utero had a higher chance of yeah. developing ADHD. So it was proven in mice.
1: Yeah, yeah. But the reason why I don't say it definitively is statistically not significant, but there are many, many studies that show that linkage. There is many studies that show the Alzheimer's linkage, many studies, ADHD, leukemia. We, We have many, many studies, but the problem is they're not statistically significant enough for it to be a fact in science. And that's why there's still this debate that's going on about is it a problem or not. Over the last two years, I was in more debates about this than I'd like to believe I was. You know, it was quite a few debates. But there were epidemiology studies that came out by the federal government where they took statistically significant populations, epidemiology populations, and they had cell towers and they were exposures over some periods of time for a population that were not being exposed and a population that was. And there was statistically significant differences that were related to frontal lobe cancer of the uh, brain and the heart, believe it or not. So there was one $25 million study by the National Toxicity Program, which is the federal government, that said, hey, this seems pretty statistically significant. And then in Italy, the Ramazzani Institute actually replicated the same kind of results. So there are growing statistically significant work that's going on worldwide that is beginning to clearly state linkages. So, and and, and by the way, at this point, I always like to tell the story that why don't we have statistics? Well, here's why. I would need to take 10,000 children, expose them, feed them organic meals so there's no damaged food, and radiate them 24 hours a day, seven days a week for one year. And I'd have to have another population that I could compare it to. And what I would do after the year, I would see who dies. Obviously, we're not going to do that, right? But that is a statistically significant sample base. What you kind of need to prove your point, that doesn't exist because we never had large populations like this study because exposures are only last 10, 15 years.
0: And it takes at least 15, 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, for yes. is- health issues to manifest.
1: Yeah, I love to tell the story. I used to smoke cigarettes when I was 12 years old because I wanted to be a big man, right? At that time, absolutely nowhere was there in common knowledge of a linkage between cancer and smoking cigarettes. None. Do you know at that time there was evidence? It wasn't statistically significant, but there was clear evidence of the linkage. It took 40 years before anybody sort of said, hey, This is a serious problem. And the reason why it was because the courts started declaring the, uh, the linkages, not because the science didn't know.
0: Yeah. So since you were a young adult going through the public learning that cigarette smoking, which they previously thought was safe, and then later, now the public accepts that cigarette smoking comes with high health risks. Do you think that the public's awareness and maybe future acceptance of the health risks from our man-made EMF exposures is a similar sort of time frame, or does it seem much slower?
1: Yeah, um, let me give it another story to, to set the stage of mindset at the time. In 1978 or nine, I don't recall. The head of Philip Morris, the chairman of Philip Morris was in in front of a group of pediatricians in the UK. And they asked if a a woman smokes while she's pregnant, is that a problem? And his answer was absolutely not. But the baby will be born smaller. And what woman wouldn't want a smaller baby? That was his answer to the panel. So the mindset was, oh, okay, that seems to make sense. But over time, it changed. I actually see that happening now, by the way, five years Ago when I started off, and you know, I've been in this business quite a number of years, but five years ago I actually began trying to find ways of understanding it and and trying to find ways of dealing with it in our lives. And from that time until up to last year, it was awfully difficult to try to get people to sort of listen to the story. But ever since 5G has been touted as being our next panacea, it, it turns out that. We're getting a lot more people interested in trying to understand this so they can make intelligent choices in their lives that's so great. yes it's changing that's great and by the way they started they're starting losing court in Italy there was a case last year there was a direct link and an award given to someone who passed away from a a glassoma cancer
0: yeah I think it's helpful to it's very Difficult for not only the average person, but also physicians to make sense of the conflicting right. expert opinions yeah. in the public. But it was very helpful for me to learn that of the body of science that exists, governments around the world have been reacting differently. I Obviously, know. There's no question. I'm well aware of how the government in the US reacts. And but even there's differences with states. Some states, like mm-hmm. Berkeley, has been proactive about the public's right to know, but it was so helpful to learn that other countries have decided to have precautionary measures in place to protect.
1: Absolutely. You know, it's really funny you say that. The U.S. is slow. Most of the world outside of the U.S. have been far more cautious about these emissions. And in fact, remember I say 1.6 watts per kilogram? Well, there's power levels like that, but over twice the space. So it's half the load, essentially, to the body. And so, in general, worldwide, the dangers and of the exposures are far less dangerous than they are in the U.S. But you're absolutely right. In Spain, for example, they don't let Wi-Fi in classrooms. They, they don't let it in classrooms because there's not sufficient evidence to say it's good or bad. And they're not risking it. And that's an example of Lots of instances in Europe where there's question, there's a far more precaution than there is in the U.S.
0: I'd like to summarize health risks in terms of first, there's a list of health risks where the science is pretty strong, and mm-hmm. then there's a list of health risks that scientists are looking more seriously into, but right. the, the science isn't, we don't know enough yet. And right. then there's also just a group of people who are just sensitive. And if you could talk about with, um, you know, what are the the health outcomes where there's strong evidence? What are some of the health concerns that we're looking into? Because the science is indicating more research is needed. And then of those people who are sensitive, what are some of the common symptoms? So that people listening Might If they're experiencing a number of these symptoms, they might realize, oh, maybe it's the EMFs in my home.
1: Right. Okay. That's a very word question. Um, (laughs) I'll try to answer it. Uh, It it turns out that you can't smell it, touch it, feel it, taste it. So a lot of us are being exposed all the time and there's virtually no way of us knowing or feeling it. If you are having these devices close to your body, and there's becoming damage, likely you won't feel it. Remember, we talked about the cell breakdown with the calcium penetrating. And so that will occur, and you won't even know it. So there's so many symptoms that are really undetectable, almost till it's too late. And that tends to be the majority of exposures. But There are over 20% of us, over 20% of us, that are electric hypersensitive. And so what does that mean? 20% of us will go use a laptop on a keyboard, and they'll feel tingling in their fingers. Their eyes may hurt. They may get headaches. And so they're hypersensitive in a way where the cells are now saying, I shouldn't be exposed to this stuff. By the way, of that 20%, 80% of women. It's really interesting how it's more women who are hypersensitive, more so than men, and we're trying to understand why. And actually, no one knows why yet.
0: So, are people studying how women? Yeah. are Uniquely. Yeah. To actually,
1: I have people working. We work with that trying to figure out why women, not men. Some are postulating. You know, we talked about the breakdown of the cell. Yeah. Well, and then you asked me about conductivity. In between the cells is the water we talked about, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a conduit for a lot of stuff, minerals. uh, A a lot of dynamics of the body are between the cells. When when I talk about melatonin not being disrupted from a cell phone when you're next to your bed, never sleep with a cell phone next to your bed because it's screwing around with your melatonin. It's not that the cell's gonna break down and break apart. There's over 4,000 system functions within the body that are being influenced adversely from that exposure. So we know that there can be lots and lots of symptoms. You can feel a foggy brain. Neurologically, you can feel temporary stuff going on that is disruptive but not serious. And then, of course, we talked about the potentials with the tumors and other things, which are long-term. Alzheimer's is long-term. There is lots of research recently that's talking about the direct link to Alzheimer's. And as I mentioned before, uh, children uh, being exposed at an early age having autism as, as a result of the exposure. Believe it or not, if you're in the 20%, there are ways of dealing with it by what we talked about before, avoid it, take it out of the room. And those symptoms you have, the headaches you're constantly getting, they actually will go down. Believe it or not, you may be able to sleep. I was talking with a person, a, a, an interviewer, about two months ago, and I said, move your cell phone away from your bed. And she listened very politely, and, and, and she was saying, yes, 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 tell me more. and Two months later, she called me back and she said, I can't believe it. I I took the bees out of the room and I'm sleeping. My husband and I are sleeping. I said, that's right. It doesn't take much to disrupt your body function.
0: Yeah. I run a seven night airplane mode challenge and people who sign up just get an email every night reminding them about turning their cell phone to airplane mode. And it's meant to be a public awareness campaign. So they learn a little bit more. But as a result, I do hear from people who say yeah. after one night, they slept better. Yeah. yeah.
1: Almost instantly it occurs. And the hypersensitive, I have worked with the doctor, Dr. He really, really hypersensitive. He called up the other day and he said, you know, he, he put a wire into his computer and, and eliminated the Wi-Fi. He got a screen, pushed it away from him and an auxiliary keyboard. All the things you're supposed to do to minimize. And he said, but my head hurts. I'm still getting headaches. I said, how old's is your, your monitor? Oh, it's about 10 years old. I said, that's the problem. It's emitting twice what current uh, monitors emit." Uh, he went, bought another one. Headaches went away. So there are simple things you can do to minimize those exposures, and they really do work. In fact, here's a very important rule. When you have a cell phone to your head or any device that's transmitting, the most danger is when you have it on your body, particularly if it's for long periods of time. If you take it one foot away, just one foot, 80% of the potential danger is gone. Why? The power level drops so quickly that it becomes less, more damaging potentially to the cells of your, your brain. They're still there. But it's 80% less danger. By four foot, 98%. So you work to try to take the things away from you in your house. They really, really do protect you and your family.
0: Yeah. And cordless phones can emit high emissions oh, yeah. too, right? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And those are constant transmissions too, right? Yeah. Um, and they're at two or 5. No, 2.8 gigahertz or 5 gigahertz is a bunch of transmissions they use. Those power levels are not as much as the Wi-Fi, but they're always on. So if you're going to use wireless phones, make sure they're away from you, not right next to you. And that's better uh, than having them next to you. And you're reducing the potential danger simply by pushing away. I use corded phones, believe it or not. So I eliminate the potential um, transmission in, in my environment as a precautionary measure.
0: I use corded phones too.
1: <laughs> Do you really?
0: Yeah. 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 Right. Oh. And cable connections everywhere. And I turn, right. my Wi-Fi router is on, off most of the time. And right. it's, uh, we have a switch just so my husband can turn it on when he, <laughs> he hasn't really adapted um, as right. quickly. Well,
1: well, tell them to get a timer. I always tell people, get a timer, turn it off at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Turn it back on and, seven o'clock in the morning, you you don't need it. Right. And you're eliminating the multiple bees in that room as a result. Right.
0: of it. Right. So I was wondering because my Wi-Fi router is off most of the time, but right. I then will, when I use my cell phone and usually my cell phone is on airplane mode, but I turn it off airplane mode if I need to check emails or right. maybe I'm reading um, an right. online newspaper. And then I've wondered, is it, Better to turn the Wi-Fi router on and use my Wi-Fi connection rather than cellular because cellular is, you know, will go extend up to five miles. Yeah, more power level,
1: right, yeah. Yeah. Um, If your Wi-Fi is more than 10 foot away, you're you're pretty safe. And having your cell tower connection in airplane mode and using Wi-Fi is better
0: is better.
1: But it's not great. You, you really, if you can't avoid it, I turn mine off completely. Yeah. I make sure when I have a cell phone, it's far enough away. I'm not even thinking about it. And that simple mechanical thing is easy for me to do. And, and uh, again, it, it minimizes my risks.
0: Okay. I wanted to get your opinion on a few types of EMF protection products. So there are various kinds of things you can adhere to a cell phone. Chips, stickers, crystals. Um, Do you think they help? I know it's Um, hard to generalize, but I I will. I will
1: generalize. Many, if not most, make a claim that's not substantiated in science. You really, really want to make sure that there is an independent assessment of the claim that substantiates the claim being made by the product. Does a crystal work? Does a button work? The ones we've tested don't. You may be able to find some that, that do work, but I caution you, you really should. Many of these, there's a description of what it does that makes no sense in physics. So like when I talk about doing something that's effective, I talk about creating an environment which eliminates the signal. You know, so there's a an engineering definition of what I'm doing. Many, if not most, of the devices you just asked about, they really don't have that. That doesn't mean to say they don't work, but you really want an engineering research expert that independently verifies the claim. That's the best I can suggest.
0: Thank you. And there's a theory that some products like certain crystals can strengthen your electromagnetic field to help you be a little more resilient to external ones. Does that make sense to you?
1: No, no, it's not physics. When it's talked about in a a cloudy way, I don't understand what you're saying. Explain it to me. Electromagnetic is a triaxial communications that has power levels that that are on the X, Y, and Z that I can look at. So the physical things I can look at to to substantiate the claim. But when I hear that there is a product that's changing your electromagnetic radiation field, and by the way, you don't really have one. Most of yours is not a three-dimensional electromagnetic. It's more electrical, right? So when they talk about that, I just don't know what they're talking about. It may be true it it works. By the way, for example, if you told me that you had a piece of carbon and you put it in your pocket, a big piece of carbon, and it made you feel better, I would say, I understand that. Carbon is an absorption function of RF. So that would make some sense to me. Right? So,
0: Does carbon absorb... uh Meaningful amount of RF? It
1: can. Yeah, particularly the residual stuff that is disruptive to the body. There's not many things like that on the market, but it's legitimately true. It's been since the beginning of time. You know, carbon absorbs this stuff.
0: There's a black crystal called shungite. I don't know if you've
1: heard Yeah, of that. that's carbon-based.
0: Okay. Yeah, so that's a yeah, popular... So there
1: may be something legitimate about that because I understand the mechanical properties, the mineral properties of that product, Uh, but they, it's certainly not, it makes me feel better is a good reason why you should use it. For example, you feel better when you're grounded, maybe. But if you're using a cell phone 12 hours a day on your head, you will pass away soon because of the DNA damaged cells that are going to occur. So there's no protection, even though they say, you're grounded and you are grounded. It doesn't give you the protection.
0: So if carbon does absorb RF, does it help to have more carbon in the like around the computer?
1: And- There's no research yeah. that said that's true, but I would think it may.
0: Okay. What are your thoughts on earthing and grounding products
1: like there yeah, that's what I mentioned before. I actually believe that there is a function for grounding. In fact, I one of the inventors of grounding, I I met one time and we had a bit of an argument. He wasn't an engineer. He was making claims about what it did and what it didn't do. And he was right about some from an engineer, and that's the, the body's a capacitor, and there is a discharge if there's a grounding path. I believe in that. I actually believe that for some reason or another, you are more of a capacitor than I am. I don't know why. And you putting your foot on makes you feel better and you feel it and it's legitimately happened. I don't absorb it as much as you, so I don't need to put my foot on the ground. And a grounding pad, by the way, that's literally short to ground. When you plug that into the wall, that is a wire that goes to your your box, your wire box, that's grounded six foot in the ground. It's a grounding pad. That's what it is.
0: So it, it could help. Are there any risks of it
1: harming? No, Okay. no, no. It's perfectly safe. But don't be a fool. Don't have two routers, one next next one on the left and one on the right, and your head in the middle, because that's not a good thing. But if you are imbalanced and tired and you tend to be a high capacitor, you'll feel the benefits of it quickly. I know many people will do, and I, I understand what it's doing. Okay.
0: So I've wondered with with some of these products like the Defender Shield or even, uh, I know your company also sells cases for yeah. for phones. Does, what does it do to the radiation? Does it redirect it so I need to be careful of the antenna and where it's pointing?
1: Or, no, no. Yeah. So my approach to protection is very simple. Remember I, I mentioned to you all of these transmissions are omnidirectional. Yeah. They, they go in all directions. All I do is simply stop the direction toward the body. It's still going to the cell tower with the cell phone, but I'm not allowing that transmission and I'm stopping it right at the source. And I'm preventing that from going into your head. What I'm doing with the power, I'm converting it to heat. You can't feel it. It's such minuscule heat. But but as you may know, power has to go somewhere. It doesn't just disappear.
0: Right.
1: It, it gets it's get transferred somewhere. So I use technologies that allow it to actually convert it and dissipate the heat. As simple as that.
0: Okay. So it's not like there like the antenna is exerting extra strong power. No, no.
1: no. Yeah, I'd like to explain that a little bit. Uh, you know, there there are some that believe all of a sudden you've improved the antenna and it's really, really bad because you did. That's not true at all. If you improve the antenna, you reduce the power level of 1.6 watts to a third. It it actually reduces the power level if it acts as an antenna. There are some that drain the power out of the cell phone. Those can be dangerous. So if it's not controlled right, it, it, it really does increase the power level. But it can't go over 1.6 watts per kilogram. So if you're right next to a cell tower, you're a block away, it's a third of 1.6 watts. If you're five miles away, it's 1.6 watts. So it modulates based on where it is and location of your cell phone to the cell tower.
0: Okay. There are also fabrics that uh, claim to, there fabrics that claim to help ground you. Um, Then there are also fabrics that can block, like shield you from, I don't know if it's all concerning uh, EMFs, but there are blankets, there are clothes, fabrics you could maybe sew onto your curtains. Do you feel like those are protective or only from one kind of?
1: Yeah, almost all of them are conductive. They're made out of copper, made out of silver, made out of something that's conductive. Why? Because when an RF signal hits it, it's conducted into the fabric. Some are very expensive and very good. Others, most are not. So you really got to watch the grade of stuff you're getting to really look for the kind of shielding performance. When, when they, it's shielding, it's really capturing it conducting it. Many fabrics for your uh, windows, for example, tend not to be very good, but if you look at some materials that you can get on rolls designed for this, they actually can be pretty good and may be useful in reducing the bees from another house that may be impacting you. What it won't do is protect you from extremely low frequency stuff. And I, we haven't, remember I mentioned the wiring wall? Yeah. These fabrics don't conduct into the fabric very well. So there's, so when someone claims that, you know, you've eliminated all the RF signals in the room and uh, and you want to eliminate the emission from the light bulb, putting a screen like that in won't work because it's not conductive.
0: So are you talking about what's, usually refer to as dirty electricity? From no, it's house. actually,
1: I hate dirty electricity because it's not a scientific term, right? It, it's okay. like, because someone wants to say it's not good for you, they use the term dirty. We all know, we know exactly what all the, the transmitted, transmitted sources are. But um, dirty electricity tends to be the combination of extremely low frequency stuff and the RF stuff. It's a combination of both.
0: Do you think the dirty electricity filters work? No. No.
1: Many that I've seen that make the claims they make cannot be substantiated. Like, for example, if I, I had something to plug into the wall and I'm in the middle of the room and I got a Wi Fi at the other end of the room, having that thing that's protecting me in the wall is not very good protecting me because the signals coming from the other end of the room are coming right through me. So tell me again how it helps you. It doesn't. So the claim says, oh, I'll be safer, but it's not necessarily true at all. So really what depends on how you put the technologies around you as much as it is, you know, um, the devices you're using. Put them correctly around you and you minimize the load. You live, minimize the dangers simply by precautionary measures.
0: Yeah, I bought a, a meter to measure the dirty electricity, and it was extraordinarily high. Um, yeah. I don't remember the units, but it was over t- like 1,200 from one my first outlet. And I, I did it because, I mean, it took me a long time to get around to considering dirty electricity but i was feeling so sick in my own home and especially in my office and i knew it got to a point where i avoided my office but my printer was here so i would just come into my office when i needed to print something but i knew i had to do it within 45 minutes because after 45 minutes i could not stay like my heart really hurt and my, my tongue would go numb. I mean, I had yeah. certain symptoms. Yeah. yeah. And then I, the first time I uh, measured the, an outlet in my office, I was really alarmed at the 1200 number because the pamphlet said a healthy measurement is below 50. And then right. I put the dirty electricity filter in the outlet. And I just felt this like relief of pressure from my chest. And right. I started. So then I bought more because I felt it. And then right. I started sleeping. I finally started. sleeping. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's that's actually it, it, it's taking the stuff around you and giving a path to ground, which is actually helpful. Right. And it's helpful enough where it works for you. But that doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't turn your router wall.
0: Oh yeah, for no, so the I very didn't.
1: reason I said, right?
0: Yeah. Um, well, that's it's... the thing. I did everything with the um, like RF and ELF, yeah. and it helped a lot. And yeah. I now know that my sim You know how some people they have they drink milk and their tummy hurts, and they just right. know if they ate something and they didn't realize milk was in it, they realize oh there must have been milk in there because my tummy does this right, when right, I have milk. Right, right. I have, I now know when I'm around Bluetooth because, yeah. and, and other um, EMFs, because I took the break, I felt a lot better. And right. then when I'm re exposed, certain symptoms come right. with like Bluetooth exposures.
1: Right. Yeah. I, you're one of those more hypersensitive. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's a tough place for you. you. You really have to be very conscientious to making sure. That you manage your environment, and I'll tell you why. Next year will be worse. Yeah. If yes. you don't start managing it now, it gets worse and worse and worse for you, and it really can be quite debilitating. So I, I applaud you taking the action you did because it really does help your body stabilize enough where it's it, it can deal with exposures uh, better. By the way, when you smell uh, gas or perfume, does that bother you? Yeah. You know lovely. why? 90%, ni- 99, 100% of us who are hypersensitive are multiply chemically sensitive.
0: Yeah.
1: Believe it or not, they're uh, susceptible uh volatile organic compounds. Yeah. So, because of that, you may want to think about your air environment. Uh, well,
0: I, I, I wrote a 500 page book on our toxic exposures. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, right, exactly. um, I'm generally a very healthy, resilient yeah. person. But over 10 years, I not only studied, I mean, I studied the toxic exposures from what we buy and do, you know, what we can control Yeah. while I had three children. And I, I, yeah, and I barely slept because I was so alarmed at what I was learning. The children are the toxins. (laughs) (laughs) They're the inspiration. But I think all those years and for so long, I worked with a laptop on my lap and plugged into an outlet. And I just think the 10 years of no sleep, working so much with technology on me, it just, and and breastfeeding and pregnancy, it just wore me down so that now I'm super sensitive. And I often think in terms of evolution, I'm a canary in the coal mine and
1: there's no question about it
0: because children are so vulnerable, but they don't have the words and experience to be able to say, I maybe don't feel well because of, you know, some exposure that we actually could eliminate or really. And
1: it's not hard to do.
0: Yeah. It's not hard to do.
1: And yeah, I've known many, uh, who are hypersensitive like you and it just gets worse for them. And if they don't take the action to, minimize those exposures, then their lifestyle um, changes. So we don't know if your kids are going to be exposed, feel it the way you do. We don't know if it's genetic. We don't know if it's because you're female. We don't know if it's of other components in your environment. But what we know for sure is it's environmental. And yeah. so you have to try to adjust your environment. To minimize those exposures, if you can.
0: So, what do you think I could do to build up my resiliency? Like more, oh. gr- more like ground, like grounding, and.
1: In recent years, I I, I talk about manage your environment. You you have so you're aware of all the physical things you can do to change. Which always bothered me was the hypersensitive. I can get it so they can live in their environment, but I can't fix it. So one of the things I've been doing is working with a, a biochemist, a, a neurologist, and a, an eye doctor Be, because of blue light, as you know, uh, you have a macular degeneration prematurely with that. You, you, you have dry eye because of that. So you really want to start understanding those as areas that can bother you. But it's true that you need to make sure that you manage that when you can. And it's only going to become worse over time. So um, with all the technologies around us and the technology evolution, we haven't even talked about 5G. But one thing I'll talk about a couple minutes because it's important for your your listening audience. 5G is the fifth generation of cell phone communications in up to 4 1G was an analog signal. It meant it went up and down in a cycle. And. That's like taking a 10,000-pound steel bar, putting on a piece of concrete, and the concrete won't break. Two to 4G, which are the next generations, became digital signals. So those digital signals became on and off, on and off. And so what is that? That's the same 10,000 pounds of the concrete, but it's going up and down, up and down. It's becoming a jackhammer. That's why the cells and the body react more negatively to 2 to 4G than 1G. 5G is coming along. And we talked about 2 billion gigahertz. is 2, uh, two gigahertz is 2 billion cycles per second, right? Well, 5G goes up to 300 gigahertz. That's 300 billion cycles per second. But what's also true is the algorithms they use to encode and decode the signal. There's, there's actually two on-off, on-off. So it's MIMO, multiple in, multiple out. So you have not only just a faster speed, but you now have on-off, on-off, that will be hitting the cell at the same time. Is that good or is that, I, I don't know. I, no one can tell you if it's good or bad because no one has any research. And and so 5G is a big um, human experiment that's going on without any real justification of safety. Uh, Which, of course, as you can tell in my voice, I'm not too happy about. But I do know this, for example. If I had a 90 gigahertz transmission directed towards you, your, your sweat glands, which are like a helical insert at the surface of your skin, acts as an antenna at 90 gigahertz. So it absorbs that transmission. And it's not 80 gigahertz. It's not... 100 gigahertz, it's 90 gigahertz, which is smack dab in the middle of 5G. What happens? Your skin gets really, really hot. What is that? That's crowd control. That's what we use for crowd control. We use a 90 gigahertz signal that we project uh, towards a crowd to disperse the crowd. And so we we know that certain technology speeds are going to have a different impact than others. Here's one example of one. It's also true, by the way, that if you're near a cell tower within 1,000 feet, that cell tower, uh, those who are within 1,000 feet of a a, a cell tower are three times more likely to have a cancer. With 5G, they have to be 850 feet separated because those 5G signals can't go very far. So they're going to be every couple of houses. Literally, it's true. And what we also know is bugs, viruses, bacteria, they like the faster speeds. They, in fact, they flourish in those higher speeds. I'm not sure we do. In fact, what I know is the reverse is true. So there are a lot of kinds of potential symptomatic problems in the future as we evolve these technologies that you got to be worried about and managing your life.
0: I live in New York City where they're rolling out 5G. Is Do I have the right to know where... Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, what can I do? I mean, I can't. I'll I'll tell you a
1: story. Um, the neurologist I mentioned before, he called me on a Saturday morning one day. He said, my head is killing me. He had just moved into a little place in the mountains somewhere. And he said, something's going on in my environment. I can't figure it out. I said, go to your router." And he went to the air router, He looked underneath it and it was a five G router. They were actually eliminated the wires to his building, and they had a wireless connection to a 5G cell tower. And I said, get it out of your office. Get it out of your house, I mean. And he took it out, two hours later he was fine. So do not get a service, 5G service, if you can avoid it. Because that distance is your friends, as I've said before. Distance is a friend, you want to minimize that, particularly you want to minimize this. In fact, I call the 5GB, Uh, 5G bee, you know, bees in the room, to be the uh, Mexican bee coming across killer bee because it's so different than all the other bees in our environment.
0: Will this shielding fabrics help protect against 5G?
1: The stuff you're talking about is probably good up to 10 to 20 gigahertz. In New York, it could be somewhere between 23 and 38. So um, can you design? Closed.
0: Can you de- can you design something to help protect <laughs> us from five G?
1: <5G? laughs> I'm sure people are going to do that. You know, but everyone's working on, it, including us. The, the technologies we have to apply are very different than the technologies we've done in the past. Unfortunately,
0: I heard in Singapore, it's I don't know if this is true, but pregnant women are required to wear shielding material around their yeah. belly.
1: I, I just told you why. You're three times yeah. more likely to, yeah. to have a miscarriage. Three times more likely on a standard RF signal. That's scary stuff. And in, and in fact, there, along with other parts of uh, Europe, they have clothing that you can buy
0: yeah.
1: for that kind of protection. And it's normal, cost of stuff. It's not like this obscure thing that exists. There are companies building this stuff for that very purpose.
0: So, if I wanted to buy some, what should I look for to identify ones that are effective? Like, would they be certified? Well,
1: look at the, a, a technical term is dB, decibels. If it's above 40 or 50 decibels in its capacity, then it's probably pretty good. That's starting to be pretty high. But if it's 10, it's storm is doing nothing. A little simple measure. Many of them have that data there, but you make sure you look for it. At about 70, it's almost 100% shielding.
0: You should make, like, caps so we can put them on our children's heads when they exactly. walk around.
1: <laughs> well, I, I don't know. If you know, we you know we actually have children's uh, earbuds we're building because oh. it disturbs me so much that kids are using this stuff at such an early age. And we know that there are neurological impacts. Behavioral problems. In the US, we never talk about behavioral problems related to electromagnetic radiation. In Europe, it's a general discussion. A fact, there is a clear, well understood perspective in Europe and measures and metrics to establish the potential dangers to kids uh, with this kind of stuff. So it's really interesting.
0: So I know you have eyeglasses to help protect eyes right. from the blue light. Is that right? right. Are all the eyeglasses made of yellow? Are all the lenses have, do they have the yellow tint? Do you have any that aren't yellow?
1: Science doesn't know any way of getting around yellow. Okay. Because what, what, <laughs> what we're doing is we're, we're around 440 nanometers, you know, so you, you have to take that slice. And you know, ultraviolet light, that's the strongest visible light. That's considered a, a carcinogenic, mm-hmm. right? And so we're right below that with blue, and the reason why it has such an impact to us is because it is a strongest of the visible light. So we, we do shield, but does it have to be the dark light? Does it have to be the dark yellow versus the light yellow? The answer is it depends. At night, if you were reading your laptop or your tablet right before you're going to bed, you definitely want to use the dark. Why? Because it's screwing around with your circadian rhythm. And that's what you're trying to minimize the impact of that. And it also impacts uh, melatonin. It, it disrupts those functions. So you really, at night, want to make sure you're protected. During the day, you can use the lungs that are only light yellow. And that's roughly 50%. The really dark ones are 99%. Fifty percent is more than adequate during the day, believe it or not. So, so is there it, any reason
0: not to just use the dark yellow ones all no. day? Okay.
1: You can use it all day. Yeah, if you wanted to, you can use it all day and you're fine.
0: Okay.
1: It's a lot of people have preferences though. You know, you may not want to have that dark lighting, but I use the light ones most of the time and I don't read at night, so I don't worry about it.
0: Okay. I'm wondering, do you use a microwave oven?
1: No. No.
0: <laughs> because of the radiation or because it changes the no, food? No, okay.
1: it takes food, the cells of the food, and converts it to a carcinogenic. So why would I eat it? I may, you know, I, I heat in traditional ovens. I don't use microwave. And it's not because they leak. It's because of the uh, impact of the food I'm, um, I'm cooking. It's been known for 40 years that you convert the cell uh, into a potential dangerous substance as a result. Not that it will always do that, but you run the risk of doing that. So rather than run any risk, I just put it in the oven heat it up at 375 and I'm done.
0: Is it true that Russia banned microwaves? What? Yeah. That is true?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, Russia was one of the leading countries that understood microwave and its impact to the human. Most of the research that we know about comes from Russia. And, and by the way, I think you were hinting before about the leaking microwave, and they do leak. And as, as you probably know, one way of telling you, put your cell phone in there, close the microwave, in it, and call your cell phone. If it rings, it's leaking <laughs> because um, a cell phone uses an R, a microwave signal. So they leak. But just stay away from it a little bit and you're fine. Don't stand next to it.
0: Okay. What are your thoughts on electric cars and the electromagnetic fields? I mean, cars in general have become like computers.
1: I actually was hinting about that a little bit uh, before. When I talked about 12 uh, Hertz DC, I I said it's less dangerous. Well, actually that's not necessarily true. 12 Hertz and below is less dangerous. In cars, they're using 12 volts. And the 12 volts, that's a DC, a direct current, is driving a motor. A motor is winding, and the windings create electromagnetic emissions. But it's direct current emissions. It's not sine wave emissions. Research tells you that the cell itself can't tell the difference between a magnetic or an electrical signal. So because that's true, I always make the assumption we can't differentiate, they're the same. We know electrical electromagnetic bothers you, so will just electric, so will just magnetic. So the jury's still, up. my guess is you would be you would feel disrupted because you're hypersensitivity.
0: Yeah, I feel um, awful and yeah,
1: I, I I I could easily tell. Yeah.
0: So do you have any recommendations for what I could do to feel better in the car? Because I think I have my children feel really bad, too.
1: Do they really?
0: Yeah. It's hard to know how much of it is just being carsick. Like no, it's, it's
1: not carsick. It, it's, it, there is no question whatsoever. Your cell can't tell the difference. Dr. Paul, who is the, the researcher who does a lot of the cell damage mechanics, he often talks about the The cell reacts whether it's magnetic or electric. It doesn't know the difference. So when you're talking about you feel something, and when you're in the car, I guarantee you, you feel something, particularly you. And can you do something about it? What what I can tell you is it's not gonna create a DNA damaged cell. It will not have that influence. But your canary not feeling so good is really more of what it is. It's a temporary feeling. It's not a dangerous to your body and long-term health, but it is temporary and it's real. Okay. And there's nothing you can do about it that I know of. Yeah. Because it's a 12 volt DC, and you need to have a whole line car with the materials I built. Uh, that's the only way you can it And you can't afford it. <laughs>
0: what about virtual reality? What should we be concerned
1: about? Oh. I'm not sure this was your question exactly, but it is directly related to 5G. They're they're talking about the Internet of Things. The Internet of Things is where everything can talk to everything. You want to know something about your refrigerator. Your doctor wants to know something about your health. Everything can talk to everything. Well, one of the concerns is that it starts going to the privacy level of stuff. That's one level. But the other, more directly related to the question you just had was, can it influence my mind at some frequency rate? And I know there's science that talks about influence like that. Whether it's in the 300 hertz and below range, I just don't know. So I can't intelligently respond to that. But I can tell you she's using warfare, and it's typically under 500 hertz.
0: Okay. There's also, I, this, I think this is my last question, for windows, there's like a film you can adhere to the window to help block out things. Thanks. Do you think that is helpful?
1: Those are about 10 to 20 percent at most effective. It's one of those things, if it can't be 100, uh, I'm not sure there's a benefit at 20. That tends to be the problem with those things. But in your case, it may be what you need.
0: So, maybe I'm better off spending the money on really effective fabric to, yeah, for the back in of the your
1: car. In your case, in, in New York, in your case, you have bees outside your room or outside your house, and there are a lot. And having a fabric that you line the interior of your, your space is definitely going to be something you'll gain the benefits of, even if it's 50%. In your case, it's a substantial improvement.
0: Okay. And then there's shielding paint, right?
1: Yeah, the paint is not so good. Not
0: so good.
1: But, again, what they do with that paint, it's actually a conduit. They put aluminum in it, so it finds a grounding pad. Yeah. So there's some benefit to it, but they're not that great. In your case, if you can afford it, I would go with the drops, the material drops.
0: Okay. You can put it in drapes. We do have a wall that emits a lot of something from the electrical wiring. So we used shielding paint for that.
1: Did it work? Probably not. I
0: didn't have someone come measure after.
1: Yeah, I probably didn't because it's it's 60 hertz if it's electrical wiring.
0: So would the fabric help? No. Nothing would help?
1: No. Yeah, that's the problem. It's very, very hard to shield 60 cycle. Very hard.
0: So just don't have the child's head near that wall.
1: Believe it or not, that's what I say. You know, people worry about these meters, uh, smart meters, right? They get all upset about it. Right. I said, if it's on the garage wall and it's 20 foot away from you, there's absolutely nothing to worry about. If it's on your bedroom outer wall, move the bed. Go to another room if you can, because that, that pain all night can disrupt your sleep. And
0: that reminds me, I, I received an email from someone who read an article on my website and he, his wife is pregnant yeah. and they have a one-year-old and he, he's worried about, he said there are like 20 smart meters aggregated outside one of their bedroom walls. And he's wondering what he should do. And I was going to refer him to a real expert who can measure, but I was just wondering what your thoughts are. Smart meters come up often.
1: Yeah, that's why I had mentioned it. Smart meters are RF. The meters themselves are ELF. You have to shield both. And as I said, the RF you may be able to do with uh, a a fabric. And even though there may be many, many transmitters, that fabric is going to be big enough and broad enough to probably minimize, if not eliminate, those in the direction of this inside of the place the shielding of the 60 cycle that's really really hard to do
0: so distance
1: yeah distance is always yeah if you use a cell phone for three minutes a day on your phone on your head you have absolute you're going to be an old lady before you pass away if you use a cell phone for hours at a time that duration That exposure time is really what's the most dangerous. Even though we talk about distance, it's also duration. If you have something close and it's only a few minutes, you don't worry about it. If it's hours at a time, that's a serious problem. So that's a rule that you want to be thinking about when you do this. So in the case of that wall, what you know is the extreme low stuff is strong at the wall. But after about three foot,
0: it's not much.
1: Okay. So by moving your... Yeah, minimized. Right, minimum.
0: So you want a minimum of three feet?
1: Three to four feet, yeah. Three to
0: four feet.
1: And that really does remove the danger in most cases.
0: It should be a law that smart meters shouldn't be closer.
1: You know, I mean, especially out in California, there was about this in on. It's another bee in the room that's a constant load amongst the other bees in the world. Um, so, um, yeah, there are revolts going on throughout the country, actually, it turns out on smart meters, and there should be. Yeah. Well, they're losing in court, by the way, not because of the transmitters, but because of the privacy.
0: Whatever works.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah, We don't care what, why they convinced them, but if they convinced them, it's like, why should you have access to my coffee maker? You shouldn't. That's mine. Yeah. Not yours. And that's what the smart meters are arguing they're going to be doing
0: it in time. So we talked about transmitters in our products or devices, and we should turn them off. I think a lot of people don't realize how pervasive transmitters are, that they're in yeah. our TVs and yeah. um, so many things. Is there some meter that you recommend so that someone can go around their home and help identify where there might be a transmitter?
1: In in general, I don't like them because they're extremely inaccurate. They're extremely – they can be very disconcerting to you, and you're really safe. It really depends on a lot of things. So you spend a lot of money that you may not need to do if you're thoughtful about the environment you're in. Anything electronic in a room is a potential. Which ones of those are emitting RF? Minimize those RF signals. A clock in a bedroom – is ELF. Don't put it next to your head. Put it a couple of feet away so you can see it, but it's not bothering you. You know, it's just uh, you do those basic things. You're fine because you've controlled everything you can.
0: Yeah, I heard you on another podcast recommend less than two hours. Ideally, this is very impossible for a lot of people, but less than two hours in front of a digital screen. I think that was in a conversation about eye health. Does that ring a bell?
1: Yeah. I actually I tend not to like using 2 hour, 1 hour, 5 hours because we really don't know.
0: Okay.
1: And especially we really don't know about the individual and the exposure because we know it varies with, from one person to the next. But without any debate there should be no long-term use of a of a monitor screen without some recognition that the blue component, the blue visible light you're looking at can be dangerous to you and you need to be concerned about. If you have a cell phone and and put it in a mode in which takes the blue light, you know how we diminish it at night? That's cutting out the blue component of the signal. So that's the right thing to do all the time. You just eliminate it. You can do it with modern monitors too. Uh, if you want to, if you don't want to do that, find glasses that can do it for you. There are uh, Blu-ray, a uh, blue light uh, shielding glasses in the marketplace,
0: like the ones you sell,
1: like the one we sell. Yeah.
0: So on my like desktop, I can turn down the blue
1: light. Some, some of them you can. The the newer ones. Okay. So you want to look for that that feature if they have it. So we know that manufacturers are beginning to understand a little bit about this and actually embedding into the products those kinds of uh, caution features. There was a, a woman that was in a clinic, and for 20 years she's been taking eye drops because her eyes were always bloodshot, fatigued. Every time she went anywhere, she had to wear sunglasses. And we know through research that blue light can also create dry eye, which is what was her diagnosis. So I sent a pair of glasses to her. Within two hours, her eyes were cleared up. They were wet. She never had a problem again. It was the blue component and her job where she was required for hours at a time to sit in front of the screen.
0: So her eyes were able to get better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Even the physician was amazed.
0: Yeah.
1: My eyes have
0: been so dry. (laughs) Well, well,
1: it's really true. If you're looking at a screen, it it, it can easily be the case.
0: Yeah. I suspected it was the computer. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's the blue component. It, it, It mucks around with you.
0: Yeah. Well, it's been a real gift to be able to have this conversation with you. I love what you're doing with your expertise to be able to empower people with important information and effective products. Thank you.
1: Yeah, you know, it it turns out that years ago when my wife uh, said she wants grandchildren, I thought to myself, I'm not a victim. We're not a victim. I'm not going to be a victim to this. And that was one of the reasons I was prompted to create products to protect you. Anything you put around your body, I try to find a way of minimizing the risks to the to the devices we use every day. Because you're not going to get rid of your cell phone soon. I'm not. Right. And so, if that's the case, let's try to find ways of having that protection.
0: Okay. Well, let me know when you when uh, there are good 5G protection products.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will. I certainly will.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much. And oh, I you're will, welcome. Um, thank
1: I'll... you for inviting me. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Take care.
1: Okay. You have a good one. You too.
0: Thanks for tuning in. Join me on my journey for practical non-toxic living. Register to enter my detox community at www.nontoxicliving.tips where you can find podcast show notes, links, and additional free information about practical non-toxic living. That's www.nontoxicliving.tips. Until next time.